0: the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
1: Well, one of the great books that we love in the New Testament is John, the Gospel of John, and certainly one of the great chapters in this great book is chapter 15, where in John 15, 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we're going to pick up today, John 15, 18, where Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Well, this is Exploring the Word, Bert Harper, Alex McFarland. So glad you're listening. And this is the American Family Radio Network. And we're going to get through the, the 15th chapter of John and on into 16. Then later on in the show, we'll take your calls and your Bible questions. We'd love to hear from you today. But Bert, here with Christmas coming, we're thinking about Jesus and his arrival in the world. And the gospel of John surely does bring Jesus to the forefront,
2: doesn't it? It really does. And again, when you think of the gospel of John, you think of personal relationships. You think of personal conversations. You know, John I don't know. I know his Holy Spirit led him, but yet God, it was magnificent. I remember in school they called it dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's yeah. it's dynamic because while the Holy Spirit spake, he still used the personalities of the writers to come through. And you see that now, who probably of all the apostles, according to what we read, had the closest relationship with Jesus?
1: Well, Probably the Apostle John.
2: I think he, so. Lean, you know, close to him. And doesn't that come across in the gospel itself? Just, it really Not does. necessarily the relationship, but just his conversation.
1: Well, you know, in the final chapter of the gospel of John, uh, John twenty-one twenty-five, it goes on. And, you know, obviously John just so vividly with, with unmistakable clarity, it sets forth Jesus for us to see. And the last verse in the whole book says there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they should be written down, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain all the books that would be written. (laughs) I remember as a young believer reading that, that if you recorded everything Jesus did, all the books in the world couldn't contain it. And I was so captivated by that verse. But that's how powerful the Gospel of John is. And um, scholars use the word, kind of a big 85 cent word Christocentric yes, but it really is all about Jesus and life should be all about Jesus the center it?
2: of everything Absolutely. everything. listen he is that person that changes everything in your life. Uh, once Jesus comes into your life and he's real to you, it affects every dynamic every area of your life. And, and I, I know that it causes you to change some things. It causes you to look at things differently. And we always talk about a biblical worldview. That comes, yeah, studying the Bible, but it comes through this relationship we have with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit in us, and us looking at the scriptures, and it changes everything, our focus, our vision. With those things in mind, you've already read verse 18, but let's talk about it. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Uh, You know, Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. Crucify him, crucify him. You know, Alex... Jesus knew what he was coming to, and he came anyway.
1: Well, let me say, in keeping Christ number one in your life, and let's remember, when we become a born-again believer, we put our faith in Jesus, there is the privilege of sonship, but there's the responsibility of discipleship. Yeah, and that includes uh, bearing the reproach of Christ. Now, that's that's a subject we could talk about. <laughs> but but let me say right now, and I, I was just talking with two pastors there is the pressure right now to make christianity something other than biblical gospel i mean yeah. the the world right now because look christianity is good news but it contains some bad news is yes the you know the bad news is we're a sinner the worst news is sin will bring judgment and hell if we don't turn from it nowadays the world is demanding that there be salvation without repentance Christianity without the Lord Jesus Christ, um, a God without holiness, and heaven without hell, okay? But if we're going to really love Jesus and be the Christians that the New Testament lays out, Jesus says in John fifteen eighteen, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Now, it goes on, if you were of the world, the world would love you. You know, but you're not of the world because I've chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Bert, I'm just going to say it. If we um, take up the the gift of forgiveness, we've also got to take up the mantle of
2: obedience. Let me see. Paul wrote not only the power of the resurrection, but the fellowship of his suffering yeah. Now let's get those words, that phrase, fellowship. We think, oh man, that we means have fellowship, we, united yeah. with. Yes, but most of the time we think, man, we get to be with people. We do like a, uh, we're having a fellowship tonight. Yeah, uh, where I serve, we're having some fellowship tonight with some people, and we're going to get together, and we're going to be together, and we have those things in common. Suffering, Jesus suffered. He did. And here he says, "The world hated me; it will hate you." Yeah. And I don't think, I, I don't think we like that, and I understand that, but we ought to expect it, shouldn't we?
1: We should. We we really should. And and let me say, folks, all right. Look, nowadays you've got controversy over sin. Is Jesus the the one and only Savior according to the Bible? Yes. Is homosexuality a sin according to God?
2: Yes, it is. Well let me say that. We we hear today uh gay Christian. Do you hear about adultery Christians? Yeah. Do you yeah. hear about uh, you know, thieving Christians? No. Why why are they trying to make this idolatrous Christian? Yes. No. Uh homosexuality is a sin. If you struggle with that, I understand that being a Christian. But to give in and to adopt it and say this is my lifestyle and I'm a follower of Christ, Alex, uh, that's an oxymoron. Let me just say it, it that it way. It
1: really is, and uh, I don't mean to get us off of John 15, but well,
2: it really is it, on subject because exactly. hate hated us. They're hate hate right now uh, for you and me to be talking about this. There are some people. Oh my goodness, that think we're the haters.
1: Oh, yeah, I got uh, over the weekend just all these Facebook messages because I I had sent a tweet about wokeness and trying to uh, rescue children from the woke messages. And um, I I got a couple of dozen Facebook messages that are just unrepeatable. But here's the thing. There is behavior and there's identity. Uh, Behavior is stuff we do. Now, God tells us to repent of our sinful deeds, and turn to Christ. So the way Satan has constructed this lie, he's told people, no, you were born this way. See, homosexual sin, just like heterosexual promiscuity, those are sins that people do. But the lie of the world is, no, that's who you are, your identity. I want to say this, if you have engaged in homosexual behavior, that's not your identity. There's some some things you might have done But Jesus says, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm give you a new name. Um, Drunkenness, substance abuse, violence, anger. Look, there are 10,000 traps and snares the world, the flesh, and the devil can set before us. God says, I'm going to set you free. And so what's so sad is there have been those in the church that have fallen into this false narrative and said, Well, there's gay Christian, there's trans Christian, and that's just who they are and who they were born. False, false, false.
2: And here we say, remember the word that I said to you a servant is not greater than his master or lord. Let me share this. That's Jesus determining for us, not us determining for him. Amen. That's what you've just been talking about. They are twisting it and saying, I'm the Lord over that. No, if you've been bought with a price, he is Lord over you. Yeah. And so you come under his lordship concerning adultery, concerning homosexuality, concerning gender, concerning theft, concerning uh, every anything you can say. I'm under his lordship, Alex. And we're living in a day where we don't like that. Yeah. I. I'm the captain of my soul, you know? No. After you've come to Christ, the thing changes. And then he said, listen to this. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my word, they will keep yours also. Now, Alex, again, we are to identify. This is what you were talking about earlier, identity, our identity. Our identity is with Christ. Amen. And we're to be with him. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. Yeah, let me. Now, notice this three-tier. God the Father sent the Son, not that he's less than, but he did send him, for us. Yeah. And here you have us, Jesus, who is our intercessor to God the Father. And they hate God, they hate Jesus. Guess what? They'll hate me. But when we keep his word, we're obedient to him. And Alex, uh, is anything really going to take the place of obedience? No,
1: it can't. Uh, Nothing can take the place of obedience. And look at this in verses twenty and twenty-one. Okay, the servant is not greater than his lord. Okay, the disciple is not free to rewrite the scripture of the Savior. I I, I mean, really, that's right. You you know, I mean, there, there are so many analogies we could give if you were giving a, you know, delivering the message written by the boss at work or the president you're not you
2: might be the delivery person but you're not free to rewrite the message in route well let me give you another one with football season college coming up on the bowl games you know uh you don't go to a bowl and them have different rules than they do at the other ball game no the ncaa has set the rules for the football games and that team is not free to change those rules because they're coming under the authority of the NCAA. You catch what I'm saying? And and they can say, no, we want to do it. We want the the touchdown to count seven points rather than six, and we want the point after touchdown to count two. It's points after the – no, it's the consistency. God has laid his word out, and it is consistent, and we're to go by it. For every believer, you don't, regardless of where you're at, you're still under his obedient rule. When you
1: were in school, uh, and folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex, we're in John 15. So honored that you're listening. Bert, did you ever, in any of your Bible college or seminary study, robert's rules of order
2: yes and
1: uh we had a semester where we were supposed to learn parliamentary procedure yeah yeah and if you and it's a classic and it's been updated probably a time or two but robert's rules of order everybody got to read that even if you're not on a committee or a board but there are things uh called an illegal vote for instance yeah and you've got to have a quorum or all these protocols you got to have
2: a parliamentarian
1: that knows that to keep it straight or it's not valid Let me say, if you twist and revise and delete the Bible, it's not valid, and we don't have the right
2: to do that. And in John 15, we're going to continue it after the break, and you'll find out that the promise of the Holy Spirit is given so we can follow Him in spirit and in truth. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from
0: the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for William Moore, director of the Defense Commissary Agency. He oversees the sale of groceries and household goods to members of the U.S. military. Psalm 145, verses 15 and 16 reminds us that God always provides. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide William Moore as he helps provide food and goods to our nation's military members. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen.
2: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the
0: Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says it wouldn't be very loving for God to help us move forward when we're headed straight for disaster. He's got a helpful illustration to share with us as we spend two minutes with Tony.
3: When you buy an appliance, if it's a new appliance, it comes with a warranty. You know what the warranty says? The manufacturer is going to stand behind the product. If something's not working, the manufacturer is going to take care of it. But there's a proviso in the warranty. You cannot use the equipment for something other than what it was created for. Because once you start doing something that it wasn't been made to do, you can invalidate the warranty. So I just want to let you know now, God has a warranty for your life. He has a warranty. If you're a Christian, he has a warranty over you and that warranty comes with a covenantal guarantee. But the assumption is that you're using your life for what the manufacturer created it for. And he created it for his glory, his kingdom, and his covenant. The moment you start operating behind enemy lines, the moment you start operating against the manufacturer, owner's specifications, then you're invalidating the warranty and now you wonder why prayers aren't being answered, peace isn't being given, and victory is not being achieved because you have messed up the warranty. Come underneath the covering of God by coming to know Him and His covenant so that He's free now to warranty the product of your life from this day forward.
0: Tony's put together a short video that explains how you can do that. To see it, just visit TonyEvans.org and click on the Jesus link. You'll also find some free follow-up resources. Check it out today. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony.
2: man I love that buffer jesus bringing us in. nobody but Jesus by the way uh you can watch us now now that's kind of scary alex they've been able to hear us and uh we'll go to people and they'll say well you're not exactly what i thought you looked <laughs> yes, like they and oh me, uh, me as well <laughs> and but now you can hear us and watch us you can go to streaming dot dot net streaming dot afa dot net Or now, we weren't yesterday, but today we've added AFR Facebook. So if you're ready to do that, Facebook and go to AFR, uh, we're live streaming here. And you can not only hear us, but see us. Now, I don't know if that'll improve everything or what it'll do, Alex, but we'll find out, brother. I I,
1: I hope when people see us, they don't stop listening. (laughs) But uh, uh, I will say this. We do have the joy of the Lord Come in from within. We our do, heart.
2: we do. It's it's two guys that love Jesus Christ. I, I'll just say it with all my heart. Um, Amen. He He's just changed our lives, and uh, we love the Word of God. We love to share the Word of God, and, and we try to do it. We try to come in with not a preconceived idea, but letting the Word of God form. Uh, our theology, the Word of God, forming our doctrine; the Word of God, forming our practical advice that we give. We do. Uh, the Word of God is sure it's settled in heaven, Alex. And, and we do our best to let the
1: Bible speak for itself. I mean, the words yeah. mean what they mean, and you know that was that's what,
2: what we was talking about literal yesterday. Yeah, we was talking the Bible means what the Bible means. Yes. if you can interpret it that way, there are some parables that God, Jesus gave, and they're parables, okay? Yeah. But there are some uh, historical things that happened, like Jonah, that it's not an allegory, it's truth. The revival
1: and, of Nineveh was a real thing. Exactly, and yeah. so
2: that's that's where we come from.
1: You know, back during the Reformation 500 years ago, and, and we are, as Americans and people in the, the Free West, to the degree that it still is free, uh, we're riding on the ripple effect of the Protestant Reformation, but one of the great core values was what they call sola scriptura, yeah. <laughs> scripture alone. alone. Uh, what is our, uh, you'll, you'll see statements of faith, they'll say our rule for faith and practice. Yeah. What do we believe? How do we live? The Bible. Sola scriptura, the Bible alone. Well, we're in John chapter 15. Let me add one thing. Yeah.
2: When I was in seminary, had a professor, Lewis Drummond,
1: Bible oh, professor from
2: Southern Seminary, all awesome. He said, "I'm." He said, "I'm a Baptist, but I'm more interested in biblical than being Baptist." That's right. So he said, "We don't enter this to prove what Southern Baptists believe. We enter into this, see what the Bible says, and then we form everything around what the Bible says." Amen. That's what we try to do.
1: That's our endeavor. Well, in John 15 goes on, and, of course, these are just amazing words in verse 21 where Jesus says, if, if they don't know me, they don't know the one who sent me. They don't accept my words. They don't know or accept the one who sent me. Now, talks about uh, accountability, verse 22. Jesus said, if I had not come and spoken, they would have had no sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. Look, Jesus did come. That's the incarnation. God has spoken. That's scripture. So if people reject the Son of God and the Word of God, they don't know God.
2: They do not now. Let me give that cloak was good, but listen to what the New King James says. And, okay. and it is it is, I think, clearer on this one. But they do not they do not know an excuse. They do not have an excuse for right. their sin. Wow. No excuse. No excuse. The Bible says we will stand before God one day without excuse, Alex. We have no excuse. He's revealed himself in creation. He's revealed himself in Scripture. He's revealed himself according to what Hebrews said in these last days. He's revealed himself through Jesus Christ. And the apostle would ask him, we would see the Father. Jesus said, do you not know that when you have seen me, you have seen the Father? So we will stand before God, no excuse.
1: Romans one twenty uses that exact words without excuse. Without it, uh, can you imagine standing standing before God, um, and you can't say, uh, "Well, I, I didn't know. I had no. There's a God. I had no idea." No, everybody knows.
2: You can't stand before God. Oh, you didn't choose me. No, God's not willing that any should perish, but all that should come to repentance. So, God, you stand before God absolutely without excuse.
1: 23 through 27 of John chapter 15, Jesus says, he that hates me hates my father also. Oh, my goodness, that's very clear. Uh, and he said, if I had not done among them the works which no other man did. See, even right here in John 15, 24, Christ is affirming his own exclusivity. Who did? Who walked on water? Nobody but Jesus. Who raised the dead? Nobody but Jesus. Jesus says, I did the works that no other man did. If they hadn't have had this revelation, there would not have been sin, but now they have both seen and hated both me and my father. But this comes to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Now he goes on and really alludes to something that is going to come a little more fully fleshed out in chapter 16. By the way, John 15, 26, also we, we have the Trinity. When the comforter, is come, who I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right here in John 15, 26. You've got the Comforter, the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, sent from the Father and from the Son. You've got the Godhead right there in that one verse. People say, where is the Trinity? All over the Bible, but not... The least of which is John fifteen, twenty six.
2: Amen. And Lotus the Holy Spirit, helper, paraclete, comforter.
1: Spirit uh, of truth.
2: And it's more than just, oh, you put your head on my shoulder. It's a comfort with truth that we stand in that truth. That's the comfort we have and the spirit of truth. Yes. Uh the ministry of the Holy Spirit is so vital. Uh, I, I think sometimes uh we do not recognize uh, how how powerful he is in our lives uh, If you have the spirit You have the son he said mm-hmm. And so the Holy Spirit in our lives It happens at the point of salvation It's called the indwelling The indwelling The Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence In our lives yes. We are to open up every area Of our life And let the Holy Spirit reign Have his way in our life uh, and, and I want to tell you uh, he will discover rooms in your life that you didn't know you have. Yeah. He'll con- cause he's come to convict us and show us areas of our lives where we are. Uh, you know, we we thought we were all right, and all of a sudden, he shines the light in this area of my life. Yeah. And I say, man, that attitude stinks. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I've had to, I've had to confess attitudes, Alex, several times in my life.
1: You know, uh, Angie and I have uh, bought and sold a couple of houses. And if ever a real estate agent is going to show the house, they'll say, make sure every door is unlocked. Yeah. Because when the visitor comes, they want to see every room of the house. Regarding the Spirit's work in your life, make sure every room is open to That's God right. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, do you remember the name? Um, oh, my goodness. He was a great preacher from Watts in california in la ev hill
2: oh man yes
1: (laughs) one of the greatest services i was ever in he came to preach at liberty university one night during a revival during spiritual emphasis week and he preached a message on the sin of job and everybody says "Well, wait a minute job was a righteous man upright in all his ways but there's a verse and he said i was at ease in zion uh in other words blessed saved but at ease. And Evie Hill preached this message about um, Have I found out if my neighbor knows the Lord? Have I gone across to my neighborhood, my friends, my relatives? And he said, Many of you, and there was probably a two and a half hour altar call that night. I think 90% of the faculty went to the altar, everybody went to the altar. It was one of the most intensely wonderful Holy Spirit nights. And Evie Hill preached this message about truly letting the Spirit of God have control and making sure that every, every nook and cranny of my heart was yielded to the obedience of the Holy Spirit, not just being saved and at ease about it, but letting God be in control. Bert, if we really take an inventory like that, it can change us.
2: It does. The times that I know I've been so powerfully in the presence of God in his conviction of areas in my life uh, I have a choice of justifying it or confessing it when I justify it I am saying oh I, I deserve to hate that man okay I deserve to dislike that you know cause look what they've done to me no go back to this scripture that we're studying in John they hated me they'll hate you mm. that gives me no right to have these attitudes that are wrong in my life actions that are wrong actions and attitudes yeah. you can just you can put everything into those two categories alex yeah and guess what uh god sees the attitude jesus said if you've committed adultery in your heart it's sin yeah you know yeah. and uh yeah we have to be under self control for for our actions whatever they are But look at the attitudes. If you start becoming self-righteous and thinking, I don't do. You remember the Pharisee? I don't. I don't. I do. You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus said that man went away unjustified. He went away unforgiven. He went away not confessing his sin. So we better watch out. We let the Holy Spirit have his way.
1: Well, and you know, Jesus talks about being a disciple. And he goes, these things have I spoken unto you, John 16, that you should not be offended. In other words, don't be surprised if you find yourself not, you know, friends with this world. Now, verse two. Yeah. Now, in the early church and throughout the last 19 centuries, I mean, there's been plenty of persecution of born again believers, and there there's persecution of the church and even martyrdom that takes place right now. But in a way, John 16:2 almost even foreshadows Islamic terrorism. Uh, they'll put you out of the synagogues yet. The time will come that whoever kills you thinks that he does God a service. Now, hey, look, ever since really, you know, I I first became aware of Islam way back in 1979. You remember the Shah of Iran and the hostage situation? And then we've seen many acts of terrorism and Allahu Akbar and people killing in the name. Those
2: 21 Coptic Christians in Egypt and them being slain and video going all over the world, that, that is a picture that's hard to get out of your mind.
1: It, it, it is. And, and look, I mean, the, the only solution to martyrdom and terrorism and Christians being killed for their Christianity, uh, 22 years ago in the Sudan, um, it was estimated, this was back in um, 99 to 2000, that 800,000 Christians were killed in the Sudan in about a 90-day period. Jesus said, the time is going to come when those who kill you think they do God service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father or me. Look, killing in the name of some God, Jesus says they don't know the Father. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you, but I now go my way to him that sent me. Okay, John 16, 5, again With increasing repetition, Jesus is letting them know that he's going to go back
2: to the Father. Increasing repetition. This is what he does. He started it earlier uh, at the Mount of Transfiguration. When they came off of that, he told them, I've got to go to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, I will be killed, but I will be raised the third day. Peter would be there and say, "Not so, Lord. (laughs) I'm not going. They'll Uh,
1: have to come through me." Yeah, yeah.
2: That's not going to do that. So here, but Jesus again, as you said, He is with them, knowing. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your this this verse is always penetrated my heart. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, The Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. That's referring back to chapter 15, verse 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Now, Alex, I just want to ask you this, how is it an advantage? Let me give you my thoughts and see if you agree, and you might hopefully agree and add to it. Is it better to have someone by your side or would it be better to have that individual, if they could enter into your life, to be inside of you? Mm. Which would be the best? I guess it would be better for them to come into my life and, and be right. inside. Now, what did these apostles have? They had God, but he was where? Beside them. Right. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and where is he going to do? He's going to indwell them within. That's It's an amazing transference, isn't it?
1: Well, it really is. And, you know, we talk about the omnipresence of God. The God is everywhere. Jesus, fully God, but in the incarnation here, the the person Jesus Christ was not omnipresent. Now, God the Father and God the Spirit is, but he says in verse 7, John 16, verse 7, it is expedient that I go away. And I, I know they're probably thinking, well, help me understand this. Jesus says, because I'm going to send the Comforter, capital C, that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, I will send, and when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin. Bert, did you ever hear that thing? Sometimes it's on a Christmas card, one solitary life. Right. That Jesus, during His ministry, He never went more than a few miles from where He was born and ministered. Well, the Spirit of God is going to go throughout the entire world, the human race. He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, of sin, righteousness, judgment. And, my goodness, verses 8 through 11, we could preach on a while. But, Bert, Christ ascended, the Spirit came, the church
2: was born. And it was to our advantage, and it is today. We want to take your phone calls, your Bible questions, 888 888- 5898840 We'd love to hear from you today.
0: Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net.
4: This is Frank Gaffney, host of Securing America, a program dedicated to protecting the country we love against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to the glory of God and his kingdom. Each weeknight at eleven p m Eastern time, we provide insights and recommendations about the most important challenges facing our nation from her most thoughtful experts and patriots. Join me to learn how you can help in securing America right here at eleven p m Eastern time. Rob West here, host of Moneywise, her daily on American family radio i'd like to take a moment to ask you to consider investing in the ministry that you know as American Family Association. For over 40 years, American Family Association has been on the front lines in the battle for the future of our great nation. They continue to stand for the biblical principles America was founded upon. One way you can support AFA's efforts is through your estate planning. Why not explore the benefits of including AFA in your estate planning? You can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting the culture transforming work of the American Family Association. Contact Riley Wildman and the team at the AFA Foundation today. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or visit afafoundation.net. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and
0: compacted by that which every joint supplieth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. It's not by chance that Jesus refers to his church as the body. Just as it is with our physical bodies, every member has a distinct role and function to fulfill. Unfortunately, in this era of celebrity Christianity, we've reduced the concept of ministry solely to what occurs and what is often little more than Sunday productions and performances. The key to thriving in God's kingdom is understanding that every member in the body of Christ is vital And it's called to ministry. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
4: For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Colossians 113.
0: American Family Radio.
1: Welcome back to Exploring the Word. So glad you're listening. By the way, the number Toll Free Nationwide, it's 888 589 8840 If you've got a Bible question, Bird Harper and I will do our best to take your question, give you a, an answer that is factual. And biblical, we'd love to hear from you. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Bert, where do we go? First? Well, let's
2: let me do something right before we go to Larry in Arkansas. That we'll do that in a second. Uh, you know, they hear us, yeah. But behind the scenes, we talk about Brent. Yeah. He's our producer. our Brent board op. Austin. Yeah. He keeps us straight. But we have a call screener. He's the one you talk to when you call in with your Bible questions. He does a great job ministering. He uh, he prays with people. Amen. and So many things. And now we've added the you know the live streaming. Yeah. So Richard is taking care of that. And so this is your exploring the word team. It has grown a little bit.
1: Well, there's Robert and Richard, Richard and Brent and Brent Austin. And yeah. Let me say we thank God for each and every one of them because it does. Hey, Super Bowls are won by teams. Am I right, Bert? They are,
2: and we are a team, and we're a part of the bigger team at AFR, yes. which is a part of the bigger team AFA. Yeah. And exactly. uh, it's it's a great. You and I talk about it all the time. It's a great place to be a part of it.
1: Oh, my goodness. The, the Spirit of the Lord is here, and this is a very, very, very dear group of people. Uh, okay, so you let's, ready to let's answer do some it. questions?
2: Let's do Larry from Arkansas. L- welcome, Larry. Yes? Yes, you're on, brother. You're Go welcome. right ahead.
4: Welcome, Larry. Yeah, yeah turn uh, your radio off, Larry. Reveals.
2: Larry, turn your radio off real quick, brother. We can hear. Uh, I can hear myself, and that's not... Pleasant.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, sorry about that Now, uh, my question is uh, What does God think about Christians drinking and smoking?
2: Okay, good question That's practical That is very practical Let me share two books to read On practical Christian living One is the book of 1 Corinthians mm-hmm. Man makes it. Uh, it It talks about some things are lawful But they're not expedient right. They're not helpful yeah. They're not good Corinthians is full of it. The other Christian, the book that I would say, I call it the handbook for Christian living, is the book of James. Yeah. So uh, some things, they're lawful, but they're not expedient. Yeah. And I believe drinking and smoking might come into some of those, especially abusing alcohol. Yeah, the Bible it, condemns that. That's an absolute sin.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, abusing alcohol.
2: And, you know, it's, it's the thing
1: invariably— Look, you don't have to fix your life to get saved. You you get saved, you become a Christian by putting your faith in Jesus. But, Bert, I have found without fail, when the Lord comes into your life and the Spirit of God, like you just said, the Spirit of God lives within you, God, because he loves you and because the Lord knows what's best for you, he will begin to show you things that need to change. Now, you're saved. The minute you put your faith in Jesus, you're born again. But, but I really do think in every Christian's life, when you come to these things that God is sort of tapping you on the shoulder about, you
2: need to deal with them and let God have his way. Exactly. And that, that's what we would say, Larry. Uh, you know, if you're convicted about using alcohol, tobacco, stop. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole idea. And Because uh, Paul said, I'm not going to let anything have control over me. Exactly. That's it. He said, I, nothing, nothing is to have nicotine over, should... nothing I, I will not be brought under the power of any yeah. except the holy spirit so Lair, we hope that helps you brother let's let's go to texas a great big state of texas and talk to jake now jake welcome but i this has got to be good jake from texas yeah. you know big jake you ever heard that john wayne hey uh, you're hey, talking he, to a john wayne fan yeah but... you are but anyway jake we're sorry that welcome. just brought on reminiscence. but what's your question for us brother
4: that movie man seen it a long time ago Uh, i heard the people talking about tattoos and one of the guys was like it's a sin and the other one says well what if it's a christian tattoo is that still a sin
2: okay there are some things that were forbidden in the old testament that are not necessarily the same in the new testament and tattoos is one of those uh i've got friends and brother they wear their tattoo on the cross so they can show it and demonstrate it, and they try to make it. And they all ask him, "What's that?" And he said, "That's the cross. Let me tell you about what Jesus did." Yeah. And so, uh, tattoos—I I still think it's a preference at, at this it, it, point in time, Alex.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, equally good, well-intentioned, godly people can disagree about this. I think it's a matter of Christian liberty. Now, let me just say this: the verse that a lot of people use. Leviticus 19.28 says, don't make a mark on your body. But that's not really tattoos. That's like the Jeremiah passage they try to make about Christmas trees. <laughs> I don't think Leviticus 19.28 is talking about what we call a tattoo. I think it was talking about in pagan rituals, they would cut their body. Yeah. and mark, uh,
2: cutting, yeah. today cutting themselves. People yeah. cut themselves.
1: Um, I'm just talking, I don't have a tattoo. Never really thought about doing that. Never did. Um, And I know I've got friends that have tattooed Bible verses on their arms. Um, it's not my thing. I, it, it can be a witness. I think it's a matter of Christian freedom, Christian Amen. liberty.
2: Yeah, I do too, Jake. We hope that helps you, brother. And uh, Okay, thank you for listening, and we appreciate it. We're going to go to Arkansas. Kathy, welcome. I understand you're a first-time caller to exploring the word. Well, welcome. Can you Thank hear you. Me? Yes, we yes. can. Thank you for calling today. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate you, Ben. Um, I have a question about end times. Well, uh, actually, a question about the
4: millennial kingdom. Where will Satan and his demons be during that time of the thousand year millennial reign of Christ? That's
2: a great question. And we do have some things in eschatology and future events. Uh, we have hints and we have enough that we think we know the truth, but this one is very definite, isn't it, Alex? Well, it
1: is, and there, there's a word used in the book of Jude that is not used anywhere else, and it's talking about that Satan is put in a place called Tartarus. And uh, it's um, if I've got the verse correct, it's the only place in the New Testament this verse is used. Uh, but Satan is chained up in some kind of a holding pen somewhere, And I don't know that we know where, but uh, at the very end of the thousand-year millennia, Satan is loosed. Now, for a little while, for a moment, yep. And uh, we we often say that Satan is a bad dog on a short leash. I mean, he (laughs) seems to have all kinds of power,
2: but understand that um, he is a limited foe. That we need to understand that God is limitless. Yes, Satan is a limited
1: foe. And do you know what? The release of Satan at the end of the millennium, where some people are deceived and die lost, it it really says more about the state of the human heart than the the power of Satan. Um, Satan's power is limited. But here's the thing. During the millennium, people have an unparalleled level of God's revelation. They're here on earth. All the scriptures have been fulfilled. Uh, Christ is physically present, ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. It's peace on earth, and yet still, though outwardly some have gone through the motions, Satan is released, and people rebel against Jesus, and the rebellion is swiftly, quickly put down. Satan is thrown in the lake of fire, and uh, I think it shows the depravity of the human heart.
2: It does, and I go back to the Garden of Eden right there in the perfect environment with God communicating with them on a daily basis. What did man and woman choose to go their own way? Yeah. That's the biggest deal, uh, doing our own thing. Kathy, that was thank a great you question. For listening. It really was. Let's go to the great Strait of West Virginia. We talk about Texas being big. Here's what West Virginians have told me. If you could flatten all the hills and mountains out in West Virginia, it would be better, bigger than Texas. Is that what they say? That's what I've heard. I'm not sure that's <laughs> true. Though. I'm not either. Hey, Casey. Welcome. Thank you for calling, brother.
1: Love yourself. Hey, um, John fifteen six. does that oh, verse describe, uh, is that a Christian that about didn't
4: abide in Jesus going mm-hmm. to
2: hell? What is the fire? Okay, that's a great, let me read this. Mm-hmm. I need to read verse 5 and 6, Alex. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, if anyone does this, he, he is cast out. You know, that's the whole idea. Is it hell, or is it just his works are burned up? Uh, this is a
1: great question, and let me say <laughs> there are things. John fifteen six is one. Hebrews six, it's like the word of God tells us enough to give us assurance, but it's vague enough to keep <laughs> us on our toes. All right? Amen. Now first Amen. John five sixteen. First John five sixteen references something called the sin unto death, whereby a born again Christian gets so carnal, I'm not saying they're not saved, but a sin unto death, God takes their life prematurely rather than let them do damage. Now, there's the judgment seat of Christ. And, and again, talking about born-again believers, and it says the fire will reveal their works. Now, everything we do post-salvation, is it gold, silver, precious stones that survives the fire of evaluation? Or is it wood, hay, stubble?
2: That will be consumed.
1: Yeah. So, uh, John fifteen six. All right. I'm just going to say, if I had to be pinned down on this one, I think it's talking about Christians. I'm not sure John 15, 6 is talking about uh, a person that um, is lost. It may, because the key is the verb abide, abiding. Are you in Christ or are you walking with Christ? So here's the thing, and it could actually be two meanings. If you're not in Christ and you're obviously not abiding in Christ, you're a you're a dead stick and you get thrown in the fire and consumed, you were lost. But if you're a born again believer, you're in Christ, but you're not living for Christ, and your works are burned up wood, hay, stubble. I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna throw it to you, Bert. There are people that yes, they're saved, but post salvation,
2: they sure didn't do a lot for Jesus. They did not. I when I read that verse, I have some of the same questions that that Casey does. you know is it talking about here's the key is is yourself make sure you're right with God and make sure you're abiding in him. Uh, one of the translations use remain in him. In other words, you continue. the word is continue. Continuing in Christ is one of the most important aspects of discipleship that There's, reveals your authenticity. it really does. Uh, you know, we, we can act like it for a while. Judas is carrying it when he betrayed Jesus in the upper room, and Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. Not a single one of those other men says, oh, I know it's Judas. I've been knowing that he was a demon from the beginning. No, they they were surprised it was him because he had covered all the bases outwardly, but inwardly. He was still a lost man, a demon from the very beginning. Yeah. So you gotta make sure you look at what you are on the inside and you examine what you're doing on the outside. It is a total spiritual examination, Alex. It's not a partial examination.
1: Exactly. I've had some college students say to me that they are no longer a Christian. And there there are even some movements of what they call ex-vangelical. Listen, if you identify as no longer a Christian you never were.
2: Amen. If they'd have been with us, they'd have no doubt continued with us. That's 1 John 2. It is. Hey, thank you, Casey. Great, great question. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Mark. Mark, first-time caller, thank you for calling today.
1: The Holy Spirit
2: is supposed to come,
1: and uh, when Jesus left, he said, I'll send you the comforter. Uh, my question is, when a church doesn't preach or even talk about uh, uh, speaking in tongues, which the
2: apostles, once someone was saved, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately they started speaking in tongues. Ooh, when a church doesn't preach it, they don't receive the Holy Spirit, or
0: the Holy Spirit never even is injected into their lives
2: or uh, what I, I just you know mark, how can people be fulfilled okay when, mark thank you we're, we're, i'm not cutting you off because i want you to it's cause the time we need some time to answer this there are times in the book of acts there are times in the books that paul would write when people would receive the holy spirit and they did not speak in tongues Uh, If you'll look at that, it was always at a transitional time when they did that. When they came upon the Jews the first time, when they came upon the Samaritans the first time, when they came upon the church at Ephesus the first time, they would speak in tongues, which gave evidence of the Holy Spirit. Later on, there would be other people that Paul would lead to the Lord, and it says nothing about them speaking in tongues. Uh, The tongues was a real deal. And they did speak it, and it was evident of it. But the greatest evidence of the Holy Spirit being in your life is a changed life. Alex, yeah. take it from there, please, brother. Well, let me encourage you to read First Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12
1: is just so beautiful where Paul writes that there are diversities of gifts but one Holy Spirit. And First 1 Corinthians 12.10 says that one of the gifts is diverse kinds of tongues, And interpretations of tongues But there's other gifts It says all these are of the one self same spirit The Holy Spirit So yeah Bert is is right I mean the main evidence of the indwelling Holy Spirit Is that you've confessed Christ You're you're born again Your life has changed And one of those gifts is tongues I believe tongues happen I do too Um, But um, if you've trusted Jesus You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit When
2: that Philippian jailer got saved He brought uh, Paul home and had the gift of hospitality. Look at what's changed in my life. Hey, we'll be back and do this tomorrow too, Alex. Yes, we shall. Folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell somebody about the American Family Radio
1: Network. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.
4: The views and
0: opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.